great events create great brands. And it takes a village to put on an event that engages, excites, and connects audiences to your brand. And we're that village. I'm Alyssa. I'm Paulina. And I'm Rachel. And you're listening to Great Events, the podcast for all people interested in events and marketing. Hi, everyone. What's going on in the wide, wide world of events? On our minds today is the topic of professional development, and we are joined by two very special guests, and I'd love for them to introduce themselves. Let's start with Amanda. Hi, thanks for having me on here. Nice to talk to everybody. My name is Amanda Young. Um, I own Young Events Consulting. I have been in meeting planning, event marketing, and the world of events for the last 20 years, mainly in big corporate events. And so your corporate meetings, shareholders meetings, trade shows, I've seen it all in the world of corporate life. Uh, I have started my own consultancy in the last year and a half. And I focus on virtual events, events in the metaverse, and helping clients navigate taking their event programs into this new world we live in. Welcome, Amanda. And now I'd like to introduce our second guest, Nari Courtney. Hi there. Thanks for having me as well. My name is Nari and I'm a uh, senior manager here at Cvent on our customer marketing team. I've been here at Cvent for uh, about eight years and I oversee a variety of our customer success programs. And most recently, I've been working to kind of elevate our training program to help our customers level up their skill set in this uh, evolving landscape. Thank you both for joining us today. And I'd love to kick this off uh, with a, a really exciting conversation around professional development. And when I think about professional development, I tend to think about it in sort of like buckets or categories, if you will, that sort of traditional industry-specific professional development offering by way of certifications, classes, testing, if you will. Then there's sort of this concept of professional development by way of networking, and then professional development by way of certification and classing in the digital landscape. And then I like to think of there being some other ones that are sort of outside of the box. Um, And so to kind of kick off this discussion and use those categories to, to drive the conversation, I want to start with what is your perspective on these traditional professional development offerings as it relates to the meetings and events industry. So we're all familiar with the certified meeting professional CMP accreditation. Um, Some people may be aware of the trade show marketer accreditation and certification. Amanda, I'd love to hear your perspective on, you know, what these traditional certifications are, what they mean to you and how they impact the industry, or maybe they don't, or maybe you have sort of a, a unique view that others might share that are tuning in. I think continuing education is great on all levels, depending if it's a personal level or professional level, I think they should all collide too, depending on what it is you're educating yourself about. Like, for example, I have children, boys specifically, that play a lot of video games. And I found myself researching a lot about the technology in video games, how they're using it at events, what type of technology or what type of classes you could take in video games that would help you with continuing education just because my kids are on it for so many hours of the day. So I think that's an example of personal education crossing over professionally. But 
I was given some advice a long time ago when I worked for GE, and that was never stay in anything for longer than three years. And every three years, you should make some sort of change, whether it's you're going to be a manager, you're going to be an individual contributor, you're going to go into a new type of event role. Like I've seen people go from meeting assistant to trade show manager. And for those of us in the industry, that's a big change. I mean, trade shows and meetings are not the same. So I do believe every three years, you do need to make a change. Now, when it comes to training yourself to go into that position, definitely early on in your career, you do need to have some training outside of that real life experience, just because that's a stage of your life where you have the energy, you have the commitments to work, a little bit more hungrier at that stage, right? Because you want to consume, consume, consume education, you know? So I think if you're planning to stay in the event marketing world, I was always coached to steer clear of logistics-focused certifications and steer more into data-driven certifications, understanding like um, even the difference between taking a certification in Marketo, taking the Cvent certification. Those are all data-driven certifications that will help you help your, uh, your organization understand what's going on with your events. Project management is a big one. And I never was project manager certified. I was certified at GE in their style of project management. And now as I'm furthering my career and my own consultancy, I am using that every day. I mean, everything I do is milestones and work back plans. And I don't do the creative details anymore for events, but I made a decision in my career to transfer my skills into a new field. And I was able to do that with my project management certifications I had at my organization. I have talked about this before, but if you can skip the CMP, skip it. If you're in the events industry and you don't know how to detail a hotel BEO, then leave, go do something else. Like, And if that's not interesting to you, like, like if you're not interested in doing that kind of stuff, don't go for the CMP just to say you have it. If your manager is saying, hey, I'll get you a certification, look into the virtual event certifications, look into marketing certifications, and really ask yourself with that certification, what will this transfer to in three years? Since your career should be in three-year increments. Ask yourself that before you put the effort in on a certification, because I think that will also help guide what the right ones are for you to take. That's such a good point. I feel like doing the research on the certifications is huge because, you know, I've looked at the PMP before and that's a serious certification that takes a lot of time and effort, but it does align with what a lot of event marketers or management folks are doing with their role. So you're so right on the money with like, it depends on what you want to do with your career. If you want to be a banquets expert, or if you want to be a certified meeting management person, a CMM or you're in government and you want to get the CGMP, there's just so many acronyms. Like Pauline and I were, were looking at it before and you really should do your homework. There's like 20 plus just in our industry, but then there's these fringe ones like, like a PMP that might not be like necessarily events, but it kind of is in that same vein. And I wanted to touch on one more point that you made that I think is really, really, really smart is yes, having the acronyms after your title is really cool. If that's what you're driven towards. And, you know, I've been in the industry, Paulina, same, same thing for 15 years plus. And every year I'm like, maybe I should look at the CMP, but 
what about the 15 years of experience that I have, what I, what we call the on the street MBA that we've gotten through all of our experience that is more valuable sometimes than, than an actual certification or like a, a couple letters on your title. And I'm not knocking it. I think it's great when people spend the time to do it, if that's their niche and that's what they want to focus on. So great points. That's interesting you say that too, Rachel, because I'm thinking about like my own career pathing. And at one point I was really striving to get the PMP and my manager at the time was like, Nari, you don't need that. I mean, go for it if you want it, right? Like if you want to put it on your resume, you want to add those credentials, but it's like, you have the experience, you're already doing it. So do you want to sit there and kind of like go back to school right now, right? Like, it's kind of like you always have to play that devil's advocate, right? Of like, how much do I want it on paper? Or how much of this do I actually have through real work experience? And if your company will pay for it, right? Like, if your company is willing to sponsor doing it, that's also like, weigh that into your options too. The biggest thing I've found is I'm in a state right now where I am transferring, constantly taking skills that I had in the last 15 years, I was just talking to somebody who worked at Nike and she said, well, I was the one who could figure it out. I figured it out the fastest. I got things done within the Nike pathways, right? Like these GE, we always had that. Like it was really hard to figure out how to get stuff done. I was the fastest. And I said, so I got up the chain the highest. So I was able to go to other jobs. I had this experience being a high level event marketer at Nike. And I was able to go into other organizations. I said, so what did you transfer? What skills did you take and transfer into that other organization? She had a hard time answering that. You know, self-reflection, when I left GE to go to another company thinking, well, I was at GE for 10 years. I did everything there. I'm going to be a rock star at this organization. And I didn't know what to transfer there. And thinking about that and then thinking of going into my own consultancy, I said, all right, well, let's go back and think of all those skills I had. What were those certifications I got? Because at GE, we did a lot internally. So that was just the organization I was at. What did I have? I had branding. I had a C-Vent certification. I had a project management certification. And I really started to put on paper how to transfer those skills. And now I'm doing executive producer jobs. I'm doing branding jobs and really going back to that skill set. Because sometimes you're going to go into a position and be like, I've got this and you totally bomb. (laughs) And that's okay. It's totally okay. I love that. And I can see why some people revert back to, you know, having those acronyms after your, your title and whatnot, because it is very validating. But I think there's another way in sort of validating your experience and that's your network, your immediate network, your community and bouncing ideas off of the peers that you you have in your community to help propel you to that next level or help you transition to that next role. And I just feel like the last few years, we've missed out on some of that traditional networking experiences, right? And I feel like, Rach, you know, having just moved and, and being an active contributor and member in a chapter organization, you're kind of living this truth a little bit. Would love to hear your insight on on sort of what the landscape looks like now being able to network face to face again and all of the sort of experiences there. Oh my gosh. It's so exciting. I've been in Denver for a few months now and I've just like thrown myself out there and just out of the comfort zone. And what I realized probably a little bit too late in my career. And and if you're listening to this and you're not involved in something outside of your career with just your company, I highly encourage you to get involved. 
mostly because I think uh, professional development isn't just a certification. It's about experiences too. To your point, Paulina, like the networking piece of professional development is huge. I have learned so much through networking and, and just like even joining the, the, the chapter while I've only gone to like two different, you know, a, a PCMA and a, an, an MPI event, even those two events alone, I've, I've met, you know, multiple people that have like, oh, you have to meet this person or you have to talk to them. And it's just those connections that you make while networking. Yes, we did it virtually on the Zoom happy hours and things like that when we were during the pandemic. But getting back to networking, I can't tell you how great it feels to like people again is what Paulina and I call it. We're, we're peopling again. And it feels like it was a little rusty, not going to lie. But it's great, though, because um, while it's not like a traditional standard program of professional development, it is a big piece of it. And networking could mean so many different things, right? Whether it's joining a women in leadership group or whether it's joining a, you know, an association outside of work or whether it's just like even outside of your role focusing on like, I want to learn about Excel. I don't know, just like making up things you can take different groups and you can kind of transform it to speak to what you want. So like Amanda's every three year rule, I think is really cool. You can also bring that into networking. So I think one way that this really helps is like when you go to a trade show and you go to a networking event and you make, you make a goal to make connections at those things. So that helps you kind of expand your network, but also it also helps validate like what you're doing and talking to other people. It's really tough because so Pauline and I plan CVAC Connect and at Connect, it's like all of our peers are there. And so we like going to the networking events, even though we're planning them because we get to meet other people that are doing the same things and just share best practices with each other. And I think bringing that in to like a networking component is is super important for your professional development. I would also say just internally and externally, this is both there. Make sure you go to your company's networking events. Make sure you're going to something outside of your company, or maybe it's within your industry. I think that there's like three different ways that you can kind of put yourself out there. And I'm like a 50-50 introvert extrovert. So sometimes it is a little hard to put yourself out there, but there are ways that you can do it depending on your personality. I think one more point I'll make, and then I'll let other people talk, is like finding your champions within the industry. So once you've established those connections or even friendships, cheering each other on on LinkedIn or sending each other things like I have a good friend in the industry and we'll, we'll say, hey, you should watch this webinar because of XYZ. And just like establishing those really help you in your own professional development, but also like helping you become a mentor or a mentee of someone else and finding those champions that you're friends with, partners with, whatever, to help advance your career. You bring up a great point. There's an opportunity to develop within the organization and outside of the organization that you're employed with or you run. And, you know, sort of tied to that, I think, is, you know, we're embracing the peopling component again. We've embraced, we've discussed educational component by way of test and accreditation. But I think outside of that is not the elephant in the room because we, we've all kind of had to embrace it at some point these last few years, but really relying on technology. How are we embracing technology and leveraging it to propel our careers forward, to expand our career palettes, if you will, right? Diversifying those skill sets. And I think so much of that is through the, you know, embracing of tech and and leveraging of tech in our respective roles. And um, Nari, 
given your you know current role and so many of the initiatives and, and strategic programs that you manage, would love to hear your take on investing in you know event tech professional development, whether it's event tech or just tech in as a whole, professional development opportunities there. Seaman itself, obviously, as Amanda was saying, like we have a variety of product certifications to really help all of our customers learn learn those tools, right? And and have that skill set needed to really elevate kind of not only their business growth, but you know, their professional growth as well. So with the pandemic, we really did see a really interesting pivot where our world was flipped upside down, right? <laughs> so uh, we had a lot of of our customers, you know, that were investing in, let's get educated, let's see what else is out there, right? A lot of their events were put on hold or being canceled, and we were really just taking it day by day. So, you know, we really took this opportunity to ramp up the training and certifications we offered. And historically, it was very product and tech-based, which is definitely still very, very important and is validated by the mass amount of people that are still continuously taking our training and certifications. But we also saw a different need, right? Like it wasn't just the tech skills that people were looking for. You know, they people were asking us an industry leader, like, how are you guys doing it? How are you guys dealing with the fact that we're not meeting in person anymore and we're pivoting to virtual? What does that mean? What is a hybrid event, right? Like we had so many questions being thrown our way. And so, you know, we had to start thinking outside the box of like, what are what are the things that our customers are dealing with that isn't just a product or tech related skill set. So we invested with working with a lot of different subject matter experts within CVent and outside of CVent as well. How do we develop courses and other certification programs that are going to help our customers and really our industry at large adapt? So some of the things that we started to roll out were just, you know, strategies on executing a virtual event or a hybrid event or focusing more on the event marketing strategies, things that we all work on every day, but maybe we're not necessarily, like you said earlier, you know, sitting down and learning the competencies on paper, testing ourselves with an exam, putting those credentials down on our resume. Like we probably already had a lot of those skill sets, but we just didn't have the proof. So we wanted to see if there was ways to validate that. And it really definitely showed with our customers how important that was for them in, in such a hard time, you know, and even to this day, tons of people tell us all the time how helpful our virtual training courses or our hybrid events training courses have been in the way that, you know, now that we're getting back to peopling, like you guys are saying, I love that term, how helpful it's been that they use that downtime to get that skill set that not everyone was producing at the time. And to be frank, we're adjusting that as we go because it, it's still changing every day. So I think there is a need for both, right? Like there's these like soft skills that you learn just working in your career. But then there's also those tech skills that you want to say like, yes, I'm in this case, attendee hub certified or, you know, Microsoft certified or, you know, like there, there is still definitely a value to have those certifications and be able to put that down on paper in your resume, but to also now help validate a lot of those soft skills that people have and 
Uh, maybe it gets buried somewhere down on your resume as far as like, these are some additional things I can do really well. But like, there's no validation for it. And I think it's it's cool that Steven has been able to acknowledge how important those skill sets are and give people a way to ha- kind of have a voice on some of the skill set that our customers like really are, like planners are multitaskers, like to the extreme. I, I see you guys all do it. I'm in awe when I see you guys do it. So to be able to, you know, give you guys credit for other things that aren't necessarily always visible to others that are not living and breathing that workload, I think is so valuable and important. I think that's why we're we're getting more and more ingrained with like the marketing ops event technologist becomes marketer combined, like all of these shifting roles have kind of been there, but technology is pushing us to do more. So like whether it's getting a Salesforce certification or what you said, Amanda, earlier, Marketo or whatever MarTech stack tech that you're using, it's important to take that into account because what I think a lot of people forget and a lot of event professionals on this podcast will probably give me an amen to this, but like we don't just do tablescapes, people. We are seriously invested in technology. We are seriously invested in process and strategy. Like we need those tools on our resume and our toolkit. Even something like as simple as Slack and becoming an expert in Slack or Box or whatever technology your company is using, it's important because it all flows into project management of events. Amen for the planners in the back. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get an amen? <laughs> you talk about those soft skills and those technical skills and something that I've seen in the last three years, and this is in corporate events. And I'm sure this goes true for all different types, you know, like association, but large events are real work stream driven. So, you know, the term work stream, different work streams are being used to put events together. And the managers that are going up in their career are the ones who are able to digest what that work stream is and digest how to put those teams together to complete this event. And the other layer of complexity that has happened, I used to be able to put these teams together, no problem. The marketing person, the branding person, the logistics person, like we'd put those teams together. But now the next layer is having a technical person. Like now we have to work with IT who, and they're not just networking the booth anymore. They're making sure what we're doing is streaming online. We understand the technology. We're upping our bandwidth. For the company, when we know there's going to be a big virtual production coming, all those facets of technical skills, to your point, that planners have had to learn in order to grow in their career. And that's why I I just don't know if we should be called event planners anymore, because I felt like that's like the old way puts us in this bucket, like we plan events. I mean, I still say that to people and they still ask me if I do birthday parties. If they only knew, if they only knew. Again, as you start to look at your skill set and you put it down on paper, that putting it into those buckets that we talked about at the beginning of this podcast is important because then you'll see maybe I have niches and I'm a work stream leader, or maybe I'm the person who knows how to put the work streams together and not necessarily know how to do the work in each stream, right? So that's okay to differentiate between the two, but being a planner anymore, it's gone. I mean, I'm sure not for everybody, but it's limiting. So from this podcast, we are starting a petition to change the name Planner. And for all those tuning in, send us your your suggestions. You know, and the more I've heard this conversation kind of develop, 
I'm thinking maybe it's not necessarily buckets, but these are really puzzle pieces to creating a really, really intricate, complex picture of, to your point, all the things that event professionals do. Just to kind of tie in some other areas that I think really provide inspiration or opportunity, masterclasses, LinkedIn learning, Google certifications. A lot of these are really affordable opportunities that I think are readily available to so many of us. And in 2020, I took so much inspiration from Masterclass in their production, in how they aggregated all of the video content together for our our virtual conference planning. And so in addition to sort of taking these classes, there's opportunity for inspiration for your campaigns, your events, your brand initiatives. And so I think there's a lot of opportunity there. And it's it's kind of like this onion. We're peeling back all of these new professional development offerings that are in unique uh, formats, if you will. I think one other training that you know we didn't really touch on, and I'm not really quite sure where it fits in because it's kind of a, a niche piece, but on the heels of this pandemic, I think so much has kind of risen to the top when it comes to health and safety space planning and leveraging the appropriate tools and research to ensure that you're putting on, uh, when you are putting on in-person events, um, safe events. And so Rachel is actually certified in you know her WHO certification, but the World Health Organization certification, but there are tons of accessible certs out there that Maybe if you're doing it less for the certification, more about the, okay, well, what do I actually need to do in the case of an emergency? Or how do I better space plan to accommodate these sort of varying thresholds of comfort? I think a lot of us can can tap into that. And that is just another way of really rounding out all of these puzzle pieces to fit into really comprehensive professional development experience. I agree. It's like these like fringe development offerings, right? Like you could get certified in risk or duty of care stuff. And there's just so many like things that you can learn about. I think two that are probably going to come to the forefront, Paulina, are probably DE&I stuff, certifications and sustainability. Cause that is just like the, the two things that people are really focused on with the return of, uh, of events, whole different podcast topic. Don't even get us started. But I think there's going to be like a ton of stuff coming around there that like that to your well-rounded comment, like those are the things that we should be learning about, whether it's a masterclass on it or webinars that you're taking that are mostly free online. I think in this, something to think about, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, let's say you work for one company and you're, you know, you have your one job. There is such a need in the market right now for different niches that you could have side hustles with. And I don't know if you use it side hustles, but you could have, you work nine to five and then at eight o'clock you're moderating a webinar for a company. Like there is a need for people with the talents, all these different certifications, Rachel, you just mentioned, like where you have a WHO certification, there's five companies out there that need some input or just some strategic planning from somebody like you. So I think it's okay in the industry that we're working with now also to see what your niche certifications and and what that is that you excel in and also put that out there that you're willing to help people. You know, that's, I think there's always been this attitude of stay in one job and that's all you do. 
right now as events professionals, there's so much opportunity to have a gig outside of your nine to five, just because the industry needs it. Might as well jump in if that's what your expertise is. And kind of to wrap this up in a really pretty bow, we've talked about all of this. We've talked about it sitting on your resume. We've talked about the sort of soft skills, but be your own champion too, right? Like put that on your LinkedIn, put that in your Instagram profile that you're like open to, you know, side hustle event opportunities. I feel like people are really starting to promote their sort of successes on LinkedIn, but now we need to start promoting even more so what our our broad scope of skill sets are and offerings. So definitely love the idea of sort of championing that through the communities that we all share. So we're very close to time, but I want to make sure that our listeners have sort of one sort of takeaway advice, whether it's professional or personal from our two guest speakers today. Um, So if you could leave them with a parting thought or a piece of advice, we'd love to, to share that with them. Let's start with Nari. I think for me, like I'm looking back on my career, I'm getting a little nostalgic too, (laughs) having these conversations. But I think my biggest piece of advice would be if you are fortunate enough to have like a management team or a peer really kind of hone in on a skill or say like, you know, you should really try XYZ. And for you at the moment might feel like, oh my God, like, I can't do that. Like, there's no way, like, that's not my skill set. That's not like what I know. I would say like when people are picking up on something that you are doing and doing really well and feel that you can excel, like go ahead and take that leap of faith. You know, I'm looking at my career, not only just within CVET, but even prior. And it's funny how I got here, right? And then I look back at how long I've been with CVET and how many different programs and strategic projects I've worked on. And it's kind of a jumbled mess, but like a beautiful jumbled mess. And it's given me a lot of different experiences where I could take my career in so many different paths that, you know, when I got fresh out of college, did I think this is where I would be or this, these are the types of programs I would be working on? Not necessarily. So take that leap of faith and really just, you know, don't be scared to try something new. Love that. All right, Amanda, hit us with your wisdom. Oh my gosh. I'm going to follow that. Um, and I agree with you, you know, to, to definitely take risks in your career. I think building off of the rule of threes right now, figure out what year you're in. Are you in one? Are you in two? Are you in three? And if you're in three, make, start planning for what's going to happen during the next three years, 2023 through 2026. But right now, what you should be saying to yourself, if I was invited to a table, what are they inviting me for? And if you can't answer that question, then you need to start honing in on what those soft skills are and those technical skills are. Because regardless of if you're in a full-time job or you have your own company, you need to be able to answer the question on why you're getting invited to the table and what you're bringing to the table. You should be able to answer that for right now. And you should be thinking on the horizon of what you're going to be doing for that next three-year sprint. What's your seat at the table going to be? Are you going to be the manager because you want to mentor a team and and lead a team? Are you going to be an individual contributor who does virtual keynotes. That's your expertise, you know, whatever that you think, maybe you're a niche person and really start looking at that and planning that out. And I think if as planners, which we're going to lobby to change that name, I think if you can put that down on paper, you can work towards it. But right now everything's changing so fast 
that if you don't have a plan for how to navigate how things are changing so fast and kind of a plan of what you want to be doing in those three-year increments, you could get a little lost. So always make sure you're asking yourself, I want to be invited to the table, and this is what they're going to ask me when I get there. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Great Events, a podcast by CBUM. If you want more resources on how to make your events great, go to community.cvent.com. That's community.cvent.com. Or if you've got a question for us or just want to say hi, email us at greatevents at cvent.com.